You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly it up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Socks in the Basement. 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans from a, a nine-foot homemade oak bar that I built in my basement. And, and Ed and I sit here and we talk about this team. And we're expecting a very different season this year, right, than what we're going through right now. Like, like it's not what I wanted my June to be. I have, I have tickets to games next week, two of them against the Dodgers in that series. And I'm like, oh, do I want to go to this? Like, I'm going to go, but I'm like, oh, we're going to get killed. Like, I, I have no faith right now. It, it sucks as a fan. I know there's always those rah-rah people, Ed, that are like, oh, you get, you're not a fan unless you believe in your team all the time. Right. But I think most of us are not that way. The undying belief in the team, the, the whole idea that you're only a fan if you're ride or die through thick or thin, just sort of ignores the fact that you can – actually have a season like this one where the expectations were realistically super high going into the season and as we get darn near to the halfway point it's an extremely disappointing outcome and yeah you are free as a fan to still be a fan of the team but be upset with the way things have gone you know i I don't understand the whole thing where it's like you got to be positive all the time and people who say stuff like that i think they're hiding some sort of deep dark inner secret which you know, is is probably going to come out in a very, very bad way for them at some point. Like, you know, they're just going to be standing at a Starbucks and start throwing random punches because <laughs> they finally stopped being happy all the time. This episode of Sacks in the Basement brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Boeing Walls, Window Wells, Foundation Crack Repair. Concrete is up and down. You need to level that out. That's a foundation issue. You need your sump pump checked or a new one. Gutter cleaning, yard drainage systems, anything to keep water out of your basement, away from your home, protect What is most important to you, the home that keeps your family safe inside. Uh, They are family and veteran-owned and operated since they started in 2013. And if you mention Socks in the Basement when you call them, you get money off. 708-330-4466. See what a difference a family makes at FamilyDry.com. Took a phone call at SocksInTheBasement.com. It's the basis for this entire show. We're also going to have James Fegan on from The Athletic. But, Ed, we've reached the point where people are making trade proposals by going to SocksInTheBasement.com and either either writing us a message or leaving a voicemail like this one. Hey, guys, uh, just a trade idea. What do you think about straight up Yohan Moncada for Andrew Benintendi from Kansas City? Both are 27. One is on a downward spiral, hitting a buck 36. The other hitting 327. Kansas City is not going to sign him. He's an unrestricted free agent for next year. There's no way that they're going to sign him at all. And while it's interesting that people are already trading Yoan Mankata, and I'm not going to say that I'm opposed to it or I'm for it or, or anything like that, I do find it interesting we've reached the point now where we're ready to deal people away. And, and that's what the whole theme of this show is going to be today. Not dealing people away and making trades, Ed, but what would you do if you were in control of of the White Sox. If you are the decision maker, the manager, the general manager, whoever it is that has the most sway, who could determine what we're going to do on a daily basis to dig out of this hole, what would you do if you were given the power? How, do you, how does that sound? 
So if, if I'm the White Sox accountant, what would I do? Right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's who has the most power. Maybe that's who has the most power. All right. So uh, we're going to have James Fegan on from The Athletic. I, I was going to kick it off with with my plan, if you don't mind, my friend, because I was ready for this. This is what I would do. Oh, yeah. You you go. You, you, you lay your plans out for all to peruse and see and uh, eventually criticize on Twitter. Well, listen, you can't fix everything. No, because there's some stupid here and you cannot fix stupid. We've established that. No, you can't. But you can identify some things that can easily be done to tweak and get your team moving in the right direction. And the first thing that I would say, looking at their stats to this point, and trust me, no matter what a guy did in his past, this is what they are this year, right? You might see somebody come back to the norm, but the thing that always annoyed me the most as a fan, and I'm sure it annoyed a lot of fans, is when you would get a player, let's say an Adam Dunn came in the town, and you listen for the entire year to Chris Ranji on the pre and post game, tell all of you, well, law of averages says he'll get back to his career numbers. And he never did in that first year. And it was an absolute disaster. It used to drive me nuts. Law of averages doesn't automatically mean it's going to work out. If that were the case, I could sit at a roulette wheel and just keep betting black because eventually 50% of the time it would work out and I'd be a millionaire. I wouldn't have to have a job. That's not, it's not necessarily true. Okay. So what I'm looking at is a team and what they've done to this point, and I'm looking at what they've done over the last two weeks or the last 15 days. You can easily break this down at MLB.com if you bring up the White Sox. Do it yourself. Have some fun. you got to find some joy in this season. Mess around with the roster and see what you would do. But that's what I'm doing right here. Very simply, looking at the hitters and who I trust. And I trust three outfielders based upon what they've done to this point and what they have done over the last couple of weeks. I trust Luis Robert. I trust Adam Engel. I trust A.J. Pollock, which I don't think a lot of people do. But even after a slow start, he's a guy who's above the average right now with his OPS. He's had some hot streaks, and I would like to see him playing out there every day. Now, you don't hear me saying Andrew Vaughn because Andrew Vaughn should be playing every day as the DH or the first baseman. And Jose Abreu, after the last couple of weeks, he's been on a tear. He's finally figured it out. Keep him in there. First base DH. That's locked for me. I don't change a thing with that. Now, guys get injured. Somebody all of a sudden has something tweaked. You got to go to somebody else. Fine. But those are your base outfielders, DH, and first baseman in my mind. I'm done seeing Grandal in DH spot. He brings no value to me. We've talked about how stupid it is to have two catchers in your lineup when neither one of them are very good hitters right now. And one of them historically has always been a bad hitter in his short career. And the other one is having just the worst season of his life right now. And he's on the, on the downside of his career. He's older and he's going to continue to regress. So the idea that all of a sudden he's just going to jump back up and be spectacular for you. If you believe that make him your everyday catcher, but McGuire and Grandal should play nothing but catcher. They should never be anywhere else in your lineup. Pick one, put the other one on the bench because having them both in there makes no sense to me. But now we get to the rest of the infield. All right. In a perfect world with everybody not injured, you have Mancato over at third and Anderson at at short and whatever this mess is that you decided to do with Leary Garcia and Josh Harrison, that's how you were going to fix second base, which was a terrible idea. Bad money to Garcia and, and Harrison, if you're not just using him as a defensive guy and you're not just playing him every day for what he brings there and accepting how bad his, his hitting is, then there's no point of even having him on the team. If I had control of this team right now, right now, and Anderson is back and healthy like he will be very soon, I would look at second base and I would say the only two guys that I would put over there is I would put Danny Mendick over there or I put Yolbert Sanchez. And that's it. Even with Mendick's base running error, Larry Garcia is never going to fix your team. Josh Harrison is never going to fix your team. 
launch him into the sun, put him on the bench, release him. I don't care. They should never see the field except for injury or like somebody is just worn out. I would put Mendick the way he's been hitting in his short amount of time out there. At least it's something. And I would, and, and he could play a pretty good defense. And I would, I would consider uh, bringing up Yobert Sanchez at this point, the way that he's been playing. And I, it's time now. We're, we're in June. We're very soon going to be in mid-June. And then we're going to be in the July. At some point, you have to accept that you made a mistake at second base and, and eat your mistake, put your little tail between your legs and say, we're going to go and put the best team on the field. And then Anderson's over at short. That's great. He's a superstar. We're lucky to have him. Hopefully he gets back here soon. Over at third base, I am enjoying Jake Berger. Yoan Moncada, I think, though, brings you a little bit more defense. I wouldn't have a problem with either one of them on the team. And if you're not willing to play Mendick every day, and you'd rather have him move around and be the backup shortstop and so forth, and you're not willing to bring up Sanchez, then I would also now entertain Moncada back over at second base if you really want to keep him in the lineup, if he started to hit all of a sudden and have Berger over at third. But right now, I would let that be a position battle between the two of them. Yoan's got to earn his spot, and if Berger's hot, Yoan sits. And that would be the one thing I would leave a question mark for. And I would put Mendick or Yolbert Sanchez at second base, and I would run those guys out as my regular lineup, and I don't need to see Gavin Sheets anymore. He's been terrible the whole season, and over the last couple of weeks, he continues to be terrible. There is nothing that shows me that he is going to do anything for your team, and there is no place for him. There is no place for Garcia every day in your lineup. There's no place for Harrison in your lineup. Those are the guys I'm running with, and I'm batting Andrew Vaughn up at the top. It's ridiculous some of these lineups that I'm seeing lately where he's down towards the bottom because he's a righty. He's a good hitter. Good hitters hit. It doesn't matter if they're lefty or righty, and I'm sick of watching that. That's how I fix this team. Your thoughts before we get to James Fegan. I mean, I agree with a lot of the things you're saying because you can't help but agree with a lot of the things you're saying. I, you know, there's not there's not too many magic bullets out there that you're going to be able to reasonably make changes or, or, or put somebody in the lineup that's going to actually fix them. You know, I would, the only thing I would say is there is probably some room for both Moncada and Jake Berger to find their way into that lineup without Berger playing second base and, and causing a potential defensive catastrophe on the infield. I, you know, I, I like Jake Berger a lot. I've seen his glove work be a little on the shaky side. So that would be my only, my only change there is, is that I would say I would, I would almost throw Berger into that DH, you know, potential that, that DH round Robin you've got going there. Right. When you have guys that need to be rested, like in my mind, I'm still bringing Yobert Sanchez up and I'm launching uh, Harrison. Even if you're, even if you can't admit your mistake in the three-year deal with Garcia, fine. Launch Harrison and bring up Yobert Sanchez. Oh yeah. And you got Mendick and Sanchez as infielders that work in tandem with Anderson. Now all of a sudden you got guys that can rest each other. You got Berger and Moncada up there. And now all of a sudden you need to rest somebody and move on into the outfield and make Berger the DH. You don't have to go to the guys that aren't working, but those guys there, there there's potential with those guys. Stop trying to fix the guys that can't do anything. They're a hole in your lineup and they're not going to get any better if they do make them earn their way back into the lineup with getting into the lineup maybe once a week or once every 10 days and showing you something because at this point you need wins you what are you waiting for here for it to turn around in august when you're 10 games down that's not gonna work you're not going anywhere if that's the plan are you punting the season out of pride because you can't admit that some of these guys you thought were going to be good aren't actually good swallow your damn pride and fix the season 
As we get our guest in here, I want to remind you the place for pregame, for postgame, uh, anything. You're viewing parties. Cork and carry at the park in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd in Princeton. As you pull up, you'll see the glorious Socks in the basement, Socks on 35th banner right at the front door. Uh, they are the home of the podcast for fans, by fans. They're very proud of it. We're happy to be working with them. They have an award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites. They bring them out on little, like, home plates. The kids will love it. Bring the whole family over there. Drown your sorrows after the game as well and avoid the parking crush and the high prices inside the ballpark and get yourself a good value and great, great Food. They have an extensive bar with a rotation of craft beers, familiar favorites, spirits, and wines, and never forget about their traditional Irish bar, the original, in the Beverly neighborhood at 10614 Southwestern Avenue all summer long. It will be fun to be out there as well. Cork and Carry at the park, 33rd in Princeton, the home of Socks in the Basement. Joining me on the phone line, a man that has been embedded with the White Sox throughout the season, and I use the word embedded uh, for a reason, because it doesn't seem like anybody's having any fun right now. It, it feels like that's how I would describe being a beat reporter with the White Sox from The Athletic. James Fegan on the line. How are you, James? Some of those embedded reporters go down, man. I don't know about this label. <laughs> I mean, like, right now, it's got to be just misery covering this team right now, uh, correct? I mean, there's only so many times you can hear the same uh, little catchphrases that athletes and coaches give, like, oh, one day at a time, and we're going to work through it, and it's a long season before you're ready to pull your own hair out because you're writing the same thing, aren't you? Uh, I walked into the clubhouse one day. It's a couple weeks ago now, but um, a player like said, you know, commented to me, like, not much fun, you know, covering a team that's going through it, right? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I... I think my favorite stories are about how a guy put work in to make everything click and, you know, what kind of changes they made to, to make everything succeed at the higher level. Cause I, I find those types of stories fascinating because it's always changing because um, the league is changing. So, but that's not what we're writing right now. We're writing a lot of, uh, you know, the approach is bad. The offense is bad. Um, you know, I, I think I was talking to the reporter uh, last week, and he's like, oh, you did it. I mean, what more can you say? You just did that story with, uh, you know, Manichino about how the offense is bad. I was like, yeah, my story for the month with him, like, we're probably going to do it again next month with the way this is going. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're repeating a lot of old ground because it's kind of the same thing. It's a lot of, you know, really quick offensive innings, a lot of early weak contact outs early in the count, off pitches off the edge and stuff like that. Um, it, it, it's been it's been two months similar. Every every now and then things get spiced up with a base running mistake, but um, the, well, the larger root problem that's putting stress on everything else is the same. Is it getting to them yet? Do you do you see a difference in posture, body language, the way that they're talking when you interact with the uh, the White Sox players? Not in some broad, big way. Uh, you know, I, I won't crown myself as the king of reading body language really well, but um, like players struggle and obviously when you're talking behind losses like the body language is worse it's only because like every player is cognizant to not come off as like yeah things are great like uh like post game like you see andrew vaughn giving a lot of like downcast interviews like after like four hit it games that's just like vaughn's very dutiful about like if the team is losing he's not going to be like yeah i'm, I'm killing it right now like he's not going to project that because he's just too kind of disciplined as a, as a teammate to do stuff like that you know, players go through struggles plenty where they like are, you know, pressing or they're they're having a little bit lost faith in what they're doing. And I'm sure like stuff like that's happening. But also like even it's true for like bad teams or even if they weren't going anywhere, like 
you know, your numbers get you paid. So like the motivation to like continue pushing and to continue finding a way out of it exists even outside of like a team dynamic. Like, so I, I don't think it's just going to be like guys are giving up or, or guys are, um, lost like facing themselves in some broad way just because like the, the record because there's, there's kind of always a reason internally to push even if like you think we're all we're how are we ever going to catch minnesota or anything like that obviously the way minnesota is playing right now i i don't think that anyone has that mindset because they they are not like this bulletproof division winner as, as we all expected coming into the season so the fact that they've dug themselves in the hole isn't like oh how would we ever catch the los angeles dodgers because they don't really have to face that if anything, their goal is really clear. We just need to catch Minnesota, and we're fine, and then we'll be in the dance, and hopefully we'll play well. So, yeah, I, I, there's definitely frustration. I think you see it in the at-bats, but I don't think it's like a big, you know, woe is me type of thing that's all over the place. So our last episode, we kind of broke down all the different people who could be at fault. What do you think? I mean, you must have an opinion. Is it a little bit of everything? You know, we went through the possibility of Jerry and his relationship with Tony and how Tony's running the team. Or is it Rick Hahn not spending on the right guys and addressing certain needs? Uh, or is it is it something where the players have gotten older or it's their approach? I mean, people all want to point a finger at somebody. Is there something or someone, and if you don't want to say someone, I understand it, but is there something that kind of sticks out to you as one of the biggest issues right now on this team that you wish they would just fix that? I mean, everything you named just now could, like, bear some responsibility. Like, obviously, they need to get more out of, you know, the mainstays. I think Abreu has been hitting really well probably the last month and change at this point. But, obviously, Osmani Grandal is struggling a lot. AJ Pollock's been a little bit better of reason, but has probably not been the guy who's going to, like, save you against right-handed pitching that he's probably billed as. Um, L.A. Menes struggled and then got hurt. Uh, Yamankata has been hurt, and not been what you need from him, given that he's very vital in terms of being left-handed and also um, working counts and taking walks when he's right. Um, there's there's a ton of, like, main offensive contributors. You can just say, like, look at that. That's not good. That's not working. Um, that's at fault. Now, you could, I think, given how broad that is, uh, you can be like, well, what's wrong with, you know, the way they're preparing their hitters or the way they're identifying guys in their aging curve that we're getting these, below expectation returns. That could be something you put on on about shows. They just haven't had the kind of returns from free agents based on name value, based on, um, you know, the projections going the year. Uh, are they not seeing, are they not mapping this correctly? You can talk about Frank Manichino, who I would, you know, maintain that I decided to read the articles that I <laughs> write where I talk to him, where he doesn't say everything is wrong with the offense, but obviously when the results out there, at some point, like that's that's the job, right? That's um, you know whatever is being said, whatever is being communicated, whatever work is being done. If it doesn't produce results, you can't really stand by it and say like, well, we're diagnosing it correctly. So that, that's that's another place that you know obviously the claim is going to offload at some point. Um, what else? Like uh, you talk about Han, like obviously second base situation has not worked out. You know they're batting Larry like leadoff today, which. I get these left-handed. I get that Manoa's splits are enormous, but Larry's got a sub-200 obvious base percentage right now. That doesn't seem like a great call. And Josh Harrison and Larry Garcia was what was identified and pulled in to solve second base, and it obviously hasn't. So I I think blame goes to the front office there with how that's gone, along with some players just not playing to the baseball card. Like, you you can't underperform to this degree. You can't have, what, it's got to be floating around a negative 50 run differential with, with one culprit. I think... I for as long as the team was 
you know, we're going to beat our projections because Herm Schneider and Alan Thomas uh, keep this team healthier than it was. You can't turn around and say, like, man, this is just some bad luck we've been having the last two years. Like, I'm good. That's something that needs to be looked into and, and wonder if they can be better or should be better at that. That, that is a good point. When teams are playing well, you can have a lot of people that don't get along with each other get along with each other because winning cures everything. When teams are going bad, you start to see cracks, and eventually you see some blame, even if it's just indirect shade, going in one direction or the other direction amongst the people that are the brain trust of the organization. It happens in every organization. Is there a point that you think this season, if this continues, when, when do you think that we'll start seeing those cracks? I wouldn't say like there's some big thing that you know comes to mind or I think is like imminent or is that the breaking point. Like I think Han is kind of a, a firewall about commenting in some way of or, or saying that he like like vocally disagreeing with uh, like lineup choices, things that should be under purview of the manager. Like we'll we'll come up to that line a lot and he'll be like ultimately that's a question for the manager. Like and that often can be a sign that like you know, maybe he doesn't agree with it as much, but also demonstrates that he like knows that there has to be a limit of, you know, to let the guy do his job and that, you know, he can disagree or can give it a input, but he can't go out and, and slam. I, I think like the big, something that, you know, me and other reporters, when we talk about side is like a fault line, like uh, at the end of 2020 was when Han went on uh, like in a radio interview and actively like expressed, disagreement with them retaliatorily hitting Wilson Contreras after a home run at bat song, which to be fair to him was consistent with everything, you know, Rick had said when Tim Anderson was kind of at the you know center of stuff about that. So he was staying true to his principles, but the fact that he would kind of say like team shouldn't do that right after his team did that, like was a clue to people like, Hey, that, that's something that exists. I, I think you saw a little bit in terms of when they pitched to Byron Buxton uh, and there was, you know, led to the walk-off in Minnesota that he kind of said, like, I'm not, that's, you know, I have my opinions about that, but I'm not going to say that. That's probably your sign to, like, he disagreed. <laughs> but at the same time, that's also, like, him saying, just because I do disagree, like, there's going to be disagreements, and I'm not going to air him out to the media about it. So I, I think I'd be on the lookout for, like, those little signs, because they do tend to be telling when they do happen, but I couldn't say, like, this is what's going to break. I think, you know, if they continue to play like this all season long, like, yeah, I'd expect coaching staff turnover at the end of the year. I, I, I think it's something more like, uh, you know, extreme would have to happen for midseason. Like generally baseball decisions for this team tend to happen end of season that I, I wouldn't expect like a huge crack to come up until like later than the year. But uh, it remains to be seen because this is the most pressure. This is the most biggest expectation season that they've had and since this contention window started and they look a step worse than the last two years. I hope that the next time we talk, I'm not using the word embedded. Like you're you're out there in the middle of just some some horrible thing because we're a couple games over 500 and we're finally putting things together. But but good luck because it's a long season. It's a long season. It could be turned around. It could be a long season for you, James. I just want to get back to talking about pitch scripts and swing plane changes and all that nerdy <laughs> stuff that people only care about when you know it's actually working. James Vegan brought to you proudly by the Village of Lamont. They bring all of our guests to you. If you want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure, visit the Village of Lamont. Shop, dine, drink, and explore. Uh, they are getting their own distillery down there very soon. I was already down there tasting bourbon really? straight out of the barrel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, that's what they're doing. Oh. They're getting, the Pollyanna Brewing Company is now doing a distillery. 
out there, which is just, I I got to do that cool thing that you don't normally get to do unless you actually work for a place like that. They tasted it right out of the barrel, their first bourbons ever. And I just happened to be hanging out there. And uh, the owners were like, you want to try some? And I'm like, yeah, yes, I do. So, I mean, there's so much going on there. The Forge is really cool. It's kind of a neat place to kind of bring out the family. They've got zip lines and laser tag in the woods, and they have festivals out there. It's, it's just, they always have something going on in the weekend. It's a great place to take a day trip, all kinds of shops and restaurants. Check out LamontDowntown.com and see what they got going on this weekend and in the future and visit Lamont. All right. Your plan, Ed. I can't wait to hear it. I, I I wonder if it's going to be much different than mine, which is basically get rid of some of this dead weight and give up on them and start letting the guys that are good play and stop tinkering with this stupid lineup and putting somebody new up at the top all the time. Tony, if you tinker every day, it never gets fixed. But what's your plan, Ed? Well, like you said, there's there's not a great deal of difference between what I would be doing and what you would be doing. But in addition to ending the Larry Garcia as an everyday player experiment, in addition to saying that Josh Harrison just is not, this isn't his year, he's, he doesn't have any value to the team right now other than as a glove, and you get that with Danny Mendick, I think what you have to do is you do have to take a look at this roster. And getting back to our caller, I don't know that the Royals would ever take you on Moncada on because that's not a position of need for them with their top prospect Bobby Witt Jr. hanging out at third base for them. But I do think that, you know, you have opportunities to leverage some of these young players into somebody that is actually going to be useful and fill a need for you. And I think what you have to look at, and this might get back to just saying, look, we're going to fire Frank Menachino and change the, the way that these hitters approach the plate. But I think what you have to look at is you have to look at the fact that you've got a lot of guys that are supposed to hit for power. This is a team that's built around it in a dead ball era, and none of these guys are really high-contact hitters. And that's the guys that are thriving this year are the guys that have made the adjustment. Okay, So uh, Trey Mancini out in Baltimore, for example, noted as a power hitter, this year has made the adjustment to being a high-contact, high-line drive hitter. Okay, What I'm not seeing from any White Sox player is some something similar. I, I'm seeing a little bit of it from Andrew Vaughn, who I don't think was strictly a power guy coming up, and that was not always his M.O. Beyond that, I like A.J. Pollock on the team. I like Adam Engel on the team, but they're not necessarily playing winning baseball with this group. So that's why I think you do need to go outside of the organization a little bit. I think you need to find one guy, maybe even two guys, and it might cost you guys off the current Major League roster, but if you do it right, and Andrew Benintendi is not going to change this season enough to win the World Series with him, but if you make a trade, if you were to trade Yoan Moncada, I'll just keep that name going, and I'm not advocating that you do or that anybody would take him in his current state, but if you do trade Yoan Moncada for someone and you're getting back a couple of years of a young player who's a different kind of profile than what you have on the team, maybe a guy more like Tim Anderson, maybe a guy who is you know, that left-handed bat that like an Andrew Benintendi, but somebody that you're going to be able to keep around, and I don't have a trade in mind, okay? I don't know who to go out and get. Because I don't know who would take anybody off this team right now, but if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, I think that's a possibility. Because then what you're saying is we're not just punting we're not punting on this season. I don't think that's an admission of defeat to go outside the organization, make some trades, and try and remake this roster on the fly. I think that's an acknowledgement that something needs to be done to potentially work them towards the playoffs. Wild card might be as far as they can take it, but then also with an eye towards next year, saying that we are remaking this. What we have tried has not worked. We went to the playoffs two years in a row, got bounced. 
The third year, we did not, you know, we might not even make the playoffs, so we're going to redo this. And there's not going to be a trading a Connor Pilkington for a Cesar Hernandez type of a trade that's going to do this. I think it's going to have to be something that's big. Think back to when Kenny Williams got Freddie Garcia in 2004, right? Didn't turn the White Sox into a playoff team that year, didn't take him to the World Series, but he came in handy in 2005 and became a very important piece. He was a move that you made because you knew your team needed to get better. Why wait till the offseason? I think that's the best thing I could take out of what you just said. You don't need to wait till the offseason to fix your team. You could fix your team now. If you can explore a trade and make a move, not only does it fix your team for the future and take care of a move you need to make in the offseason, but it might just shock this team if all of a sudden so-and-so isn't in the locker stall anymore. Start sending some guys down, start DFAing some of these hitters, and make a move. That's what I would do. You need to jar this team somehow. If it's firing the hitting coach or whatever, you need to find a way to tell them this is no longer acceptable and you may be the next one out of the lineup and on the bench or off of the team and headed someplace else on the greener pastures, whether it be another team or the minor leagues or in the DFA limbo, okay? But that needs to start happening or otherwise, Ed. a boat cruise, something like that. Otherwise, Ed, uh, there's going to be nobody in your stadium the second half of the year. I mean, the only positive to that is that I might finally get a pretzel brat. That might be the that might be the positive here. The whole thing might come down to the fact that I'm bi- I'm finally not going to be able to to yell about the parking and their inability to handle big crowds. They couldn't do it again for the Cubs series. They can't handle people coming in and out of the ballpark. There's never enough food. Okay, there's all kinds of issues in ballpark running and management and everything like that. But if you don't have a crowd, it becomes a lot easier, right? You can get people in and out very easily, and I can get a pretzel brat. I'm just saying there there might be a positive. I'm trying to find the silver lining. Pretzel brats for everybody. Has anybody explored the possibility that the team is eating all the pretzel brats and it's just weighing them down as they go out there? Because that that can't be, that can't feel good on the stomach to go out and play a baseball game after housing about two or three of those things. You know what? That might be the whole thing. That's why I can't get one in the stands because the team's eating them and then they're just striking out too much, hitting too many double plays and making base running errors. You figured it all out. It's definitely that. It's not Reese McGuire DHing today. <laughs> No, it's not a guy who's got one extra base hit DHing. It's a pretzel brat. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.